satisfaction is a great word. And I think that as Christians, we have an opportunity to demonstrate first in our own lives and, and then in your homes and, in, and amongst your friends that you are content. It doesn't mean that you don't have issues. It doesn't mean, it doesn't, being content doesn't mean, you know, your parents didn't get divorced. It doesn't mean your mom doesn't have cancer. It doesn't mean uh, your a job isn't, it doesn't mean you don't have a problem. It just means you are content. Satisfaction, when you're satisfied, you don't need more. Um, remember the woman at the well? I love that story. So at the woman at the well, she comes to Jesus, or actually Jesus comes to her, he's at the well, and asks her for a drink, and there's this dialogue, what do you do? you're a Jew, you're asking a Samaritan you know, for a drink, we don't even talk to one another. And uh, Jesus said, look, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask him for living water, you'd never thirst again. And I think it's John 4, 14, where Jesus says, he who drinks from this well will thirst again. And you could write that over every lifestyle. You could write that over every occupation. You could write that over every desire. You write that over your favorite sport. You love track. You love wrestling. You greatest sport ever, by the way. You love basketball. You love football. Let me tell you something. You love whatever. Whatever you love to do. That will never satisfy you, not at the core of your being, ever. It will, it will temporarily, there, you know, we have that. There are pleasures in sin, what? For a season, that's what, what is it, Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 through 25 says. But over every well that this world offers, you can write those words. He who drinks from this well is going to get thirsty again. So you got to find your satisfaction in Jesus. Uh, there's no lasting satisfaction outside of Christ. And, and so really the question is, how do you feed your satisfaction? I think the answer is really, really simple. Time with the satisfier himself. We had a men's conference here a couple of uh, weeks ago, and it was real simple. I thought I would. Did you use? You were going to use that at home. Did you use his illustration? He said. He said. Uh, he said when the Bible. He says when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And I, I may have felt like I was, you know, sitting be, you know, a five-year-old object lesson. But I thought that is so true. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is talking to you when you open your Bible and read your Bible? You will be satisfied as you, as you spend time uh, with the Lord Jesus. And then um, I would say the things that, you, are, that are satisfying some of you right now, not just sports, some of you are satisfied by your looks. I, I've never, ever seen, I mean, I've, now I've, I've lived, I'm in my 60s now. And people have always been interested in the way they look. There's always been fads that come and go. But I have never seen such grotesque narcissism in our society like it is right now. The body idolatry that I see is outrageous. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you should take care of your body. Uh, you know, I think you should, I don't, you know, I think you should try to stay healthy. I try to stay healthy as much as I can in my, in my age. But, but you know, you're, 
Your looks are going to fade. I hate to tell you that, but your looks are going to fade. Pride is deceitful. Beauty is, it's vain, right? And that's, a, that's, a, that's that proverb written to women. I'm, I'm sorry, it is, you know, but it's written to all of us, really. Your health is going to weaken. Your money and your wealth, it's going to go to somebody else. Your popularity is going to wane. I know you think you're the, most, you're the coolest, hippest person in the world. That's one of the reasons I showed you pictures of myself when I was in high school. I'm not him anymore, and I thank God for that. But you know what else I know? I know that when I became a Christian just a few years after those photos were taken, I was speaking at all kinds of high school venues, preaching. I was preaching in college retreats. I was, that was, like, I was like a main, getting opportunity. Guess what? I don't preach in a lot of high school venues now. I don't preach in a lot of college venues. I don't know why they don't want me. I guess I'm not cool anymore. But I'm not really, this isn't a pity party. I'm saying, as you get older, it, 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 it is what it is. It is what it is. You have to embrace that and find your ultimate satisfaction in Jesus Christ. That's who I want. I want Jesus at the beginning of my day, in the middle of my day, at the end of my day. Give me Jesus. And when I'm 85 years old and I got one foot in the grave and another on a banana peel, give me Jesus, okay? Uh, because everything about you is going to fade. Just make him your life. That's it. Colossians 3 says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, that's where it all begins, on things above, not on things on earth, for you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When, and Christ, who is our life, appears, we will also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, that's, that's the question on satisfaction. Is he your life? What gives you life? And if what gives you life is not Jesus, then you have hooked your train to something that is going to take you down a track that's going to end up in a wreck somewhere along the line. Yeah, that's really good. Unless you're satisfied fully in Jesus, nothing else is going to satisfy. That's right. good. One more thing. Yeah. Um, so personally... Uh, I have been on this whole line of satisfaction. I've really been enamored with John's gospel. I love the gospel of John. I always have, but man, it's, it, is it, uh, it's really working me over right now. And I, was, uh, I shared this with you, some of you guys the other day. In John chapter 3, in that famous passage, you know, God so loved the world, you must be born again. Uh, great, great power verses in there. Um, how many can complete this statement? He must increase, I must... Okay, you know that's out of its context, and it's a great verse out of its context. It really is. But it's even cooler in its context. It's a great verse. Go ahead and yank it out and use it, and you should. But hear it within the context. So the context is John the Baptist who, who said that. And John... John, I mean, John is, I mean, he's like a rock star, okay? I mean, people are following him. He's preaching. People are just, they're coming to him in hordes, and he's pointing them to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember that? And then eventually, as time goes by, his cousin, 
is getting the marquee because Jesus was John's cousin, right? So they come to John in John 3, and, he, and they say, hey, the guy on the other side of the Jordan, you know, the other guy you talked about, he's baptizing too, and everybody's going to him. In other words, the followers of John were saying, we're losing our congregation. John, your church is shrinking. And John looks at these followers and he says, he says, I told you I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. And then I'm going to paraphrase. He basically says, you know what I am? I'm the best man at the wedding. That's what he said. I'm the best man at the wedding. Now, you know the best man at the wedding, he's pretty hip and cool for a while because he's up there first. He's right next to the, you know, the bride and groom. And at the end, you know, he's oftentimes, he's the guy who says, and now give it up for Mr. and Mrs. Jared Leonard. And, everybody. and what does he do then? Does he stay in the limelight? No, he gets out of the way. And John says, I'm the best man at the wedding. And Jesus is the bridegroom. And it's time for me to get out of the way. And it's in that context, he says, he must increase. I must, what? Decrease. Decrease. So you want to be satisfied in Jesus? Then make him your satisfaction. Make him your life. And then when it comes time for you to step out of the way, uh, you'll be, and by the way, he says, it's my joy to do that. You can read it. He goes, it's my joy to do this. That needs to be your joy. That's what I want. I want that to be my joy as I get older. So, Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Um, next, we're talking about the, the spirit and the, really how it works in a believer's life. So the next question is, how can a believer be more aware of the spirit working in their life, more sensitive to the spirit? Can you give examples maybe from your own life in that area? Uh, of the Holy Spirit working in my life? Yeah. Well, it's not because I speak in tongues, because I don't, okay? Well, that was one of the questions, so we'll oh. take that off the table. <laughs> so I don't speak in tongues, but I have, a, I, have, I have a much better experience than that could ever give, and you can have it too. This is a prom- listen to this promise from Jesus. Everybody here should meditate upon John 14, 21. Here's what Jesus said. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, obeys them, He's the one who loves me. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? When I first got interested in Marilyn, uh, my wife, by the way, she's back there. Give her a round of applause. She's back there. She's coming. I went to see her. I I, I had to go. I was going to a city that was really, she wasn't on the way, but I made sure she was on the way. And uh, so I, and I, 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 came to her driveway, pulled in the driveway. I was, and the, she lived on this acreage, and you pulled in, and, and you could go, there was a fork in the, in the road, and you went one way to one house, and, you, and if you went to the other way, you went to the other house. I didn't know what house to go to because it, the directions didn't tell me, except when I pulled in the driveway, there was a sign in the yard that says, do you love Jesus? And I said, I'm at the right place. <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my what? He who has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one, she's the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him, and I will, watch this, I will, the Greek says, I will phaneru, I will will display myself to them. I will show myself to them. 
Now, how does he do that? I don't know. That's his business. But I can tell you, God has put himself on display for me so many times. And the key to it is loving obedience. Loving obedience to Jesus will bring about displays of his love. I will manifest. I will display. I will show myself. That's, that's the idea. So let me, let, just this morning, I'm in my Bible reading in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 24. And uh, I, 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 Ezekiel 24, verse 15, that was, so the day my wife died in 2000, or, uh, 1995, on the day my wife died, I was in Ezekiel 24 in my Bible reading. You know what it says there? God says to Ezekiel, behold, I will take the desire of your eyes away with one stroke. And in the morning, I preached to the people, and in the evening, my wife died. And that's exactly what happened to me. Now, thankfully, God didn't tell me I couldn't weep because he told Ezekiel, you don't get to weep over this. That happened. But I knew God was doing something special at, at that time. And so on that, on, on that very day, on that very day, um, I, was, uh, I was grieving, and I opened my Bible to Psalm 69, I'm not kidding you. And, and uh, as I, it says, uh, it says there, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I'm weary from my crying, which, wow, that described me. Because I, I, I was in Psalm 69, having read 68 the day before. And it, then it says, let not those who trust in you become ashamed because of me. Let not those who hope in you become ashamed because of me. And this is the psalmist writing that to God. And I sensed that God was saying, I really pulled back from the counter where I was reading it. And I was I said, God, are you challenging me in this moment? It was like God was saying, those people are going to be watching you. And he says, don't let those who trust in you, God, become ashamed because of me. It was like God was telling me right there, there's going to be a lot of sympathetic eyes watching you, Nemers, but they'll, they're also going to be watchful eyes. They're going to want to see if all that you've been preaching is true. And that happened just hours after my wife died. And in that moment, I was just, oh, my goodness. And for some strange reason, Marilyn Swanson came to my mind. I'd met her three years earlier. I did not have a romantic attraction to her. I barely knew her. And there's another story I didn't quite, I kind of knew what she looked like. That's a story she can tell you about. She, I asked my daughter if she was heavy. And it doesn't matter. A, she wasn't. But anyway, uh, uh, but I thought of her, okay? I thought of Marilyn. And I remember, not in a romantic way, but she came to my, into my mind and I thought, what in the world? That was a weird thought. I put it off, and within like two minutes, a mutual friend of ours came to our house, threw his arms around me, wept, put some groceries and stuff down, and he said, hey, I told Marilyn about, uh, about what happened to uh, your wife, and she's going to write you an encouragement letter. And I remember one thing, wow, that was weird. God put this thought of her in my mind, this, and, and I, just, I dismissed it, but that was the beginning of God just doing some, you know, some super special things. But I can tell you, I, I, we don't have time to go through all the... Just coming to Sailorville Church. Coming here. I was in a church for 12 years, successful. It quadrupled in size. We built a brand new facility. Things were going gangbuster. That is where my wife died. That is where I married my wife, Marilyn, brought her to the church I was at. Things were going well. We had led some people to Christ who had become dear friends to us. But I just sensed God wanted us to get a new lease on life in our family that had come together. And I remember one day saying, God, I have got to know what you want me to do. I burned every bridge 
churches were coming to me saying, would you be our pastor? Would you be our pastor? And we, I said, no, 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 because I wanted everything to stay the same. And that day, I just knew, God, I said, God, I sense that you're moving me along. Would you show me in your word? I was in Acts chapter 16. That's the Philippian jailer. I knew the story. I mean, I, I knew that story before I read it. And I, I remember thinking, I already know the story, Lord, but whatever. You got something here. Show me. You know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household, all that. But then in verse 36, it says, this is Paul who gets freed from prison. He leads the Philippian jailer and his whole house to Christ. And then the magistrates come to the house and they say to Paul, the magistrates have requested that you depart. Now leave and go in peace. And it was like God himself was telling me, it's time I'm, I, it's, I mean, I, I, it's like, wow. And I went up and I said to my wife, Marilyn, I said, honey, God just told me it's time for us to leave. You know what she said? She said, he didn't tell me. So we had a problem with that for a little while, okay? But, but we, got, we worked through it, and that was God's. And, and, and when she agreed, two days later, Sailorville Church called and said, would you, would you come here and be our pastor? That's how that worked. Those kinds of things have happened throughout my life, and they'll happen to you. I don't want you to think I'm something special, because really, I'm not. No, I am, but so are you. God loves you, and if you love him and obey him, he'll, he'll, he'll show himself to you. Yeah, oh, That's really good. Um, we have several other questions that we may not get to tonight. Uh, hey, let way. me get, but, uh, how, can we do a lightning round? What do we got, five more minutes? Yeah. Okay, I'll do them real fast. Go. I won't take as much time. Here's a really easy one then. All right. What happens to people when they commit suicide? Oh, jeez. Okay. You want to do a lightning round? I was going to skip that one. Uh, no, 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 no. All right. Uh, suicide. How many know somebody who's committed suicide? Raise your hand. Holy smokes. That's a lot of you. Okay, so... I actually, you told me about this earlier, and I wrote, this, this, this was, these are my thoughts today. I'm just going to read them to you. Suicide might be the most prolonged deaths among deaths. I'll say that suicide might be the most prolonged death among deaths. Here's what I mean. It's prolonged because the damage done to loved ones left behind usually goes on for years and years and years. Versus a wife dying like mine, I mean, that was terrible, it was sad, but I mean, you, you get over it a little quicker. It's very difficult to get over a suicide. Uh, I would say that, um, and that, that's what makes suicide so sinful and so selfish a choice. Because our times are in his hands, God's hands. They're not, you're, not, you're, you're taking something that was sovereignly designed by God and taking him out of the hands of God, and you should be ashamed of yourself for even contemplating the thought. Uh, but short of the short answer to the question is, you know, I don't know why. You know, I mean, I, I can't tell you what happens to people who commit suicide. I mean, it depends on what they do with Jesus. If they trusted in Jesus and it was real, they're in heaven. It's just that simple. Uh, and and I will, I'll go for a step further. If mental sickness is real, and for me, it's impossible to understand. I'm not even trying to understand it. Uh, I'm certain that there are Christians who have reached the point of despair 
that have sadly taken their lives? And the answer is, if they're Christians, they're in heaven. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But Romans 8, verses 37 through 39, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, death, and it doesn't differentiate what kind of death. Praise the Lord, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? So that's my answer. How do I deal with a family member who's struggling with drug addictions and being manipulative um, and is not saved? So this person is not saved. Yeah, I would, uh, if they're a family member, depending on who they are, I mean, you confront them in love, you love them. If you're a parent, parents need to set clear parameters. And my advice to parents when they have somebody who continues to do that after the age of 18 is out of the house. And John Nemers, who preaches this Tuesday, he came about this close to getting kicked out of the house, but he didn't. Praise the Lord, he got saved. But uh, Daniel, too. But we had decided that we were going to make him leave if, if, if they weren't compliant with our wishes. So you confront them, but parents have to put parameters. If you're, you're talking about brother or sister, your job is to love them as much as you can, as much as depends on you. Speak truth all that. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's one that might take a little more time, but um, maybe you can go quickly. What is your view in gray areas? Some examples are Halloween, alcohol, smoking, gambling, drugs, those, those things. Well, that's a lot of categories. Uh, I'm, I, well, I, real, real easy answer to those of you that are students. You obey your parents. Children, and that's all of you. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And what is the promise? That it may go well with you. You wanted to, hey, got a question. Anybody wanted to go well with themselves? Hello? Okay, then obey your parents on those gray areas. And then uh, after that, I would say 1 Corinthians 10 31. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then I would say Romans 14 which is the, is the passage you should study, which, which helps you understand how to understand controversial issues that, that Christians disagree on. And every person has to be persuaded in their own hearts, okay, when it comes to things that are not clearly differentiated in Scripture. And that's just a brief answer. Yeah. Maybe a, a follow-up, and maybe it's the same answer, but what do you think about the COVID vaccine um, for kids under 18, because it just came out this week, well, yeah, that, that it's now approved. And, yeah. and younger, younger kids, even down to the age of five, can, can receive it. Uh, I would say I have, a wish, I have a wish list, and it goes both ways. Here's my wish. I have a wish list. I wish the government would stay out of my personal business. Uh, I wish the government would admit when they're wrong on so-called science, but they don't. But I also wish that Christians would start acting like Christians when it comes to the way they disagree. I think Christians have acted like absolute asinines at times, and it bothers me when we act ungodly and we make this the hill we're going to die on. That is so sad. We have bigger hills to die on than that one. And, it, and I'd say I wish that... Uh, I, I, I wish that parents would, uh, would uh, obey their conscience on the issue as it pertains to their kids, 
whether they decide to have them, let them have it or not, but uh, not superimpose their belief upon everybody else. In other words, if they take this position, okay, God bless you. You took the position, Romans 14, you're, you know, but, uh, but don't superimpose it on everybody else. That'd be my answer, I guess. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, another one, is it right to go on strike? I think a lot of people know that, you know, John Deere and all everything that's happened up there going on strike. Is it, is it right or not? Well, I mean, the, I'd say yes if it's a, it, the law provides for that. Our laws of our land allow that, and the laws of companies allow that. So if the law has a union that can go on strike like the John Deere one, then it's, then it's lawful for them to strike, okay? Um, and uh, if, if John Deere is making tons and tons of money, and they are, uh, that is what gives union workers leverage. That's you know, leverage to get more money. Uh, but what if they weren't making money? What if they weren't making that much money? And there are companies that are unionized who aren't making much money. And then I think there's wisdom there. I mean, by the way, it's in, if you work as a, as a, as a laborer, it's in your, it's in your uh, uh, interest that the company you work for make lots of money because that helps you, Okay. Uh, uh, so yes, but here again, you have to apply all the Christian principles of being, you know, doing it in an orderly way and all that kind of stuff. Just like the right that we have in our country to, to, uh, protest our, we, we have a right to do it. The Bible doesn't give us that right. Our, our, our nation has, our government has. And so we do so in a way that honors the Lord. Yeah. Last one as a, as a church. Our main focus is to see more people become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about how that process begins in someone's life, yeah. um, becoming more like Jesus. Yo, that, this must be the last question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, listen, first of all, thanks for letting me go back and forth on these questions. I hope some were helpful. And, uh, you know, my, my greatest desire for all of you is that you really take the gospel seriously and believe that God loves you. He doesn't have to prove it to you anymore. He, he sent his son. Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, died a death you couldn't die to give you a salvation you couldn't earn. Place your faith in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus. But you gotta admit you're a sinner and that you're lost and ask Christ to forgive you of your sin and be your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, do that tonight. Don't go to bed tonight. Here's my prayer, that you will not go to sleep tonight and God will give you no rest until you humble your heart and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. When you know him, you get the Holy Spirit, you get all these gifts we've been talking about on Sunday morning. They're all yours for the taking, enjoying, and satisfying. Find your ultimate satisfaction in the salvation offered in our Lord Jesus. That's my prayer for you. And if I will, if I may, I'll pray. pray.